Good to see you all this morning. Glad you could make it. Uh, if you would be opening up to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, over the, the past couple of uh, weeks or month or so, uh, if you haven't been here, we've been talking about the fact that many of the people we look up to in the Bible, many of the heroes we look up to are human, just like us. Well, not many of them, all of them are. Every single person we look up to, every single hero we have is a human just like us. We, we've been talking a lot about Elijah, a guy who God used to do amazing things, called fire from heaven to, to cause a drought for over three years and then to bring rain back. But we also know that Elijah is a human just like us. He got tired just like us. He got angry just like us. He got discouraged just like us. He was powerless to do anything without God just like us. Well, this morning, I, I want to shift over to Isaiah chapter 6. This is my uh, feel-good passage, if you will. It's my, my comfort passage, my comfort food in the Bible. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 is a passage that I, I like to preach every chance I get because it, it's a, a passage of Scripture that reminds us just how important it is that we lean on the Lord, that we give this world back to Him. And so Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1 and look down through verse 8. <clears throat> Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Father, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, God, as we hear from your word, that we would hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would use this time as we spend it together with you and with each other to help us to understand better what it is you're doing, to help us understand better what it is you want us to do. God, that you would heal hurting hearts. God, that you would encourage the discouraged, Lord, that you would convict those who need conviction. God, that you would change the hearts of everyone here. God, that we would walk out of here this morning knowing that we have been in the presence of Almighty God that we would walk out of here this morning being able to say with Isaiah, I saw the Lord. God, that we would leave here today knowing we have been in your presence, among your people. Use us, Lord, to, to change the world around us. Use this time to change our hearts. God, we need you. Like never before we need you. Every single moment, God, of this, of this life, we need you. Help us to be aware of that. Help us to trust on you and lean on you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage of Scripture comes at a time of disappointment, to say the least, in Isaiah's life. Anyone here ever been disappointed 
in life or just in general. Uh, I know uh, this past week we, we took a trip and where we went, uh, when we pulled up to the, the place we were going to stay at, now my children were very excited about where we were going and all these things and we'd seen pictures and we pulled up and their response was, uh, that's not what I was expecting. That doesn't look like the pictures we saw. And you could just hear a little tiny bit of disappointment. I began to be more disappointed as I began to see what we were going to be able to do. And I was like, oh, well, if we go there, it's going to cost money. Oh, if we go there, it's going to cost money. Oh, I think we need to go somewhere else. I, I'm not saying I'm cheap or anything, but we, we found somewhere else to go that was a little bit less expensive and also a bunch of free stuff to do. So we all won. The kids were happy. I was happy. Mom was happy. Everybody was happy, even though we began with quite a bit of disappointment. Now, I think we've all been there, right? We've all expected one thing. We've read the reviews. We've saw what was online. Everybody said it was good, and we showed up, and it was nothing like what the picture said. It was nothing like what we read on the Internet. It was nothing like what the guy on the phone told us it was going to be like. A total disappointment. That's something that I've been preparing our children uh, for a long time now. You guys know a couple years ago we, uh, we ordered a vacuum cleaner and we wrapped it up as a present and we let the kids open it on Christmas Eve, you know, and they were super disappointed so that they can just get a taste of what life is going to be. It's about disappointment, right? I mean, no matter where you turn, things are not going to be what you expect. And so they're still a little upset about that. They are a little gun-shy about opening the early presents, but... Uh, you know, at least it wasn't underwear, right? I mean, at least they can do something with it. But, but anyway, they, they, they understand that life is about disappointment. We understand that we are going to come to times in our life where we are disappointed, where we are discouraged. Isaiah is dealing with something I think we could probably all relate to. He is disappointed in one of his heroes. It, because of the person he had trusted in, because of the person he depended on, he finds himself in a state of discouragement. You guys know this to be true. Even more so than vacuum cleaners, people will disappoint us. Even more so than bad reviews online, people will disappoint us. What I want us to look at as we look at Isaiah 6 this morning is realize that our heroes are human just like us. And as we look at this passage and we look at what Isaiah was dealing with, what we're going to learn is that when we put our trust and our hope in human effort and we put our trust and our hope in people, we're going to find disappointment. We will find disappointment because people are going to disappoint us because they're human just like us. And so Isaiah begins this chapter in uh, verse 1 by saying, in the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah was a, a pretty successful man. He was a pr pretty successful king. He was a guy who began to, that really began to see a change in Israel. He began to see, they began to see things turn around under his reign. Things look good. He's overall a pretty good leader. Overall, he's a, he's a great you know, uh, a military leader. He's a great uh, politician, those sorts of things. He had done well. He'd done okay on the religious side of things, not as good as he should have done. He'd not guarded his heart. He'd not watched himself. And so as he, as he gets stronger and stronger and he sees more and more success, he becomes more and more arrogant. He becomes more and more prideful. And he begins to tell God that he doesn't need God's rules. He begins to tell God, I can make my own rules. In fact, he decided that he didn't just want to be a king anymore. He also wanted to be the priest. He didn't want to just lead the people of God in battle. He didn't want to lead the people of God as a politician. He wanted to be a priest. He wanted to go in and burn incense in the temple. For whatever reason, he, he thought that's what, something he needed to do as well. That's a role he wanted to play as well. 
And so God uh, uh, sends priests to try and stop him, but he won't listen. And so God strikes him with leprosy, and he ends up dying. Uh, the, the sum of what happens to him is found in Second Chronicles 26, verse 16. Speaking of King Uzziah, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You see, Uzziah had become his own hero. He, he grew proud to his destruction. He began to believe his own press clippings. He began to believe that he could do whatever he wanted and that God would just have to get out of his way. And so that's the way he began to live his life, as though he was really as amazing as all these people were telling him that he was. And so even so amazing that he didn't have to listen to God anymore. And that's, that's when things begin to go bad for him. That's when disappointment gets spread around uh, in his kingdom because he becomes his own hero. This is the first lesson we can learn here this morning, guys. Don't be your own hero. Don't, don't believe that you are better than you really are. Another way to put it is stay in your own lane. Know what God has created you for. Know how God has gifted you. Don't think more highly of yourself than you really are. Understand that no one can do everything except for God, and you're not God. Not only God, only Jesus can be prophet, priest, and king, and we ain't Jesus. Only He can do everything. Uzziah began to believe that he ought to be involved and do everything. And because of that, he failed. And he spread disappointment throughout his whole kingdom. Isaiah, in a sense, as he was putting his hope and his trust in Uzziah, this king who he believed was going to really lead them into a great time of prosperity, he, he basically pulled up at the hotel and realized all the reviews were wrong. He basically realized his hero was human just like him and that he couldn't deliver the goods. The website had said everything was good. Everybody talking about how amazing this place he was going was going to be. But in the end, the truth was is that Uzziah wasn't quite as good as Isaiah thought he might be, as the people thought he might be. You see, up to this point in their mind, King Uzziah had protected them. But now King Uzziah was dead. And there's this other nation called Assyria, they're knocking on the door. They're, they're getting angry. They're getting, they're getting meaner. They're, they're growing their army. And, and the people of Israel can see that this is only going to get worse. They can see that their, their morality is only going to get worse. They can see that things are headed for, for worse. See, see, the thing that Isaiah learned and the thing we need to learn is that heroes fail. Heroes die. Heroes are wrong. Heroes do wrong. If our hero is a person and our hero is human, we can guarantee you they are going to fail. We can guarantee you they are going to mess up. Guys, if our hope is in this world and our hope is in the things of this world, our hope is in human effort, we're going to be disappointed. That's where Isaiah was. As far as he was concerned, the outlook, outlook looked really bad. As far as he was concerned, the outlook looked bleak. I love what Warren Wearsby said. He said, when the outlook is bleak, try the uplook. And what he meant was, is when you look around and everything looks bad, get your eyes on the Lord. When you look around and everything's falling in on itself and it looks like there's no hope for tomorrow, get your eyes on the Lord. And that's exactly what Isaiah does. He turns his eyes to heaven. And God turns his eyes to heaven for him in a lot of ways. So look at the second part of verse 1 here in Isaiah 6. I'll read the first part again. In the year that King Uzziah died, in the worst year of my life, you might even say, the year I didn't know what I was going to do, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. See, see, here's what we can learn from this. During the darkest of days, during our saddest of times, we can look up and see the Lord. I, I love that Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw my hope, basically. Guys, my hope for you and my prayer for you this morning is that whatever, wherever you're sitting, whatever condition you're sitting in, you can say, I, I can see the Lord. I'm going to take my eyes off of what's going on, and I'm going to put them on Him. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to depend on Him. I'm going to give it all back to Him. My, my hope is, is that our testimony would be, in the year that I, I, I lost my job, I saw the Lord. In the year that I lost this person that I love more than anything, I saw the Lord. In the year that I had one or all of my heroes disappoint me, I saw the Lord. Guys, the truth is, is that no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, we need a hero. That hero is the Lord. And so no matter where you're sitting this morning, no matter what's going on, know that from wherever you're sitting, turn your eyes up and see the Lord. Notice also that He is on His throne. He says here that He is seated high up on a throne, high and lifted up. This king is still king of Israel in that God is still king of Israel. You see, Isaiah had thought that King Uzziah was king. Isaiah had thought that the king was gone and that the king had died. But then he turns his eyes upward and he realizes the king is on his throne. He hadn't went anywhere. The Lord is on his throne. The one true king is on his throne. They had been believing that Uzziah was protecting them. No, it was the Lord. He was the one who was protecting them. Isaiah was wrong. The people of Israel were wrong. Uzziah was wrong. Referenced by the fact that he is now dead. The one true king is still on the throne, still doing what he'd always been doing. See, guys, they've been bowing and trusting the wrong king. There's only one king, only one king we ought to bow to, only one king we are to trust in, only one hero we need to depend on. And he's on the throne. Look up this morning, you see him high and lifted up, high above all else, high above all those who would come against him. Realize that he is enough. Realize that he is in control. Uzziah, Isaiah, all of them thought that Uzziah was in control. He wasn't. God was in control all along. He was walking with them all along. He was the one that they should have been depending on all along. When you are depending on the Lord and your eyes are lifted high on Him, you won't be disappointed. See, now they thought, oh no, the king's out of the way. There's no chance we'll be able to survive. And then Isaiah says, oh wait, the king's on his throne. Oh wait. The king has not went anywhere. He is still there watching over us. Guys, when you feel like your world is crashing in, you feel like, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I feel like, oh no, I, I don't know where I go from here. This person or this thing I was trusting in is taken away from me. The king is still on his throne. And so when you begin to look around and you say, I don't know where I'm going to go from here. I don't know what I'm going to do. Get your eyes back on the Lord. Get your eyes back on Jesus. I mean, it's the same thing that Peter learned, right? In, in the Gospels where uh, Jesus calls Peter uh, on the boat, out of the boat to walk on the water towards him. Remember, Jesus is walking on the water towards the boat, towards the disciples. And Peter says, if it's you, command me to come to you. Jesus says, come on then. Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk to, towards the Lord. And it says that, that when Peter began to look around and he began to see how high the waves were and he began to see how strong the wind was, he began to sink. As soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. Guys, our faith must be rooted in and grounded in the Lord. If it's rooted and grounded in our ability to tread water, we're going to sink. 
But it's rooted in and grounded in the fact that we believe we can get ourselves out of anything we are going to think we're going to be disappointed. And so maybe this morning you've put your faith in someone who's let you down. Put your faith in something that has let you down. Maybe you put your faith in yourself and you've let your own self down. There's no reason to stay down. Turn your eyes to the Lord. And see that He's on His throne and that He's high and lifted up. But also notice that He is different than any other king. Not only is He on the throne, not only is He the one true king, but He is different than all other kings. Look at verse 2. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. So these angels are above the Lord. And Isaiah sees them. These are special angels of some sort. We We don't even know exactly what they look like. All we know is that they have six wings. Two of them they're flying with, and the other two they're covering their face and their feet. Because even though they are divine, uh, they're not divine, but they're heavenly beings, they, they uh, cannot even show God their face. They cannot even show God their feet. Even these heavenly beings that God has created, they, they can't even show Him his, their face or uh, their feet because He's too holy. They can't even sit down. They can't even take a lunch break. They are flying ready to go at His Word. This is how holy God is. This is how important God is. And he goes on and he says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Here in verse 3, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And so they're singing back and forth to each other about how holy God is. And you know, sometimes we talk about the fact that they say holy, holy, holy as though it's a superlative, as though what they're doing is they're saying He is holier s. That they're describing that God is really, 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 really holy. And that, that's sort of true, but it, it sort of misses it. What, what they're basically doing is they're saying there are no words to describe how holy you are. Sort of like, you know, when you look at your wife and you say, I love you. And she says, oh, I know. And you say, no, I really love you. I can't even describe how much I love you. Right? That, that sort of thing. I'm sure all of you guys are just as romantic as me. And that's the way that you, right? That's all of you are thinking right now. Uh-huh, that's what I'm going to say when I get home. But it's true, right? I mean, it, there's no way to describe that amount of love. Well, there's no way to describe that amount of holiness that God has. There's not even a word that these angels can use to describe how holy God is. But what is this holiness? It's not just a, a churchy word. It, it means something. Does it describe purity and moral purity? Yes. Does it describe beauty? Yes, absolutely. But the, the root of the word has a, has a more deep meaning. It means to be set apart. It means to be unique. One scholar put it this way, speaking about God, he said that God is not like us, only bigger and nicer. Like, He's not a bigger, nicer version of you and me. No, He is different. He is a completely different category. He is holy. He is different. There is no one like Him. There is no one like our God. He is totally and completely different. You see, the reason we can trust Him to be our hero is because He's not human, just like us. He's not subject to all the things we are subject to, like greed and lust and anger and pride and all the things that throw us off. We can trust Him because He is different. And He is not like us. He is glorious beyond imagination here. It says that the whole earth is full of His glory. Guys, there's not one place on this entire planet that's not full of God's glory that's not meant to reflect how amazingly wonderful our God is. I love how another commentator put it. He said, we're not just ordinary. Nothing is just ordinary. The whole earth is full of His glory. He goes on to say that created reality is a continuous explosion of the glory of God. In other words, we have 
purpose. We have meaning to reflect God's glory, to show God's glory. All of creation is meant to preach how amazing God is. God, you, you're not ordinary. You're not normal. You, you've been called by God to show His glory to the entire universe. We have a King this morning who we can depend on, who won't disappoint us, who won't let us down. We have a King who's not leaving His throne, who won't die who won't be absent the day that we need Him. We have a King who will never disappoint us, who will never do something that's going to hurt us or, or cause us uh, to, to be led down the wrong path. Instead, we have a King who loves us, who is perfect in every way and beautiful in every way and has the ability to do all things. We have a King who is all-powerful, all-holy, almighty, and ultimately in control. So Isaiah, as he is disappointed and discouraged because his hero is gone, he looks up, says, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he says, oh, there's the king. He's on his throne. But then something else happens. As we look at the king, it changes how we see ourselves. We see our true selves in his presence. Isaiah 6, 5 here. Isaiah's response. And I said, woe is me. For I'm a man, for, for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so, a couple of different things. Woe is me. That's cursed am I. I'm lost. I'm undone. I have no hope. I, I'm finished, basically, is what Isaiah is saying here. I am a sinner, and I dwell among, amongst a bunch of sinners. And I'm in trouble because I have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, when we come in contact with this holy king, we don't find our lost self-esteem. Right? We, we don't find ourselves uh, all of a sudden realizing how amazing we are. No, we find ourselves hopelessly inadequate and broken. We find ourselves cut off, as Isaiah says here. We find ourselves sinful and without the ability to do the one thing we know we ought to be doing, praising him with all that we are. Isaiah, when he saw the king and he heard these angels, he, he said, listen, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. There's no room I can stand on. I do not deserve to be here. I do not deserve to be in his presence. See, Isaiah at this point realizes that he is indeed ruined. That he has indeed lost his ability and his opportunity to approach this king because he is sinful. Someone, someone has said that you can't come in contact with someone the size of God and not go away unchanged. They described it as being hit by a Mack truck. You know, you can't walk away from being hit by a Mack truck and, and be the same. I, I can actually testify to this. When I was in second grade, uh, a, a young man named Corey Bates, well, I guess he's my age, so I don't know if he's young anymore, but, but uh, he was standing too close to the side of the road one morning at the bus stop, and a Mack truck came by and ran over his foot. I can guarantee you Corey Bates was changed by his encounter with the Mack truck. It, I was changed, right? I mean, he's walking around crutches all year, stealing all the attention from all the girls. Like, I mean, everybody wanted to know about Corey. It was ridiculous. But, but I, I mean, there was no doubt that he had come in contact. Corey did not go away, I'm assuming. I'm going to put some words in Corey's mouth. But I can pretty much guarantee you, Corey did not go away from his experience with the Mack truck saying, I'm big and tough. He went away saying, that Mack truck's big and tough. Guys, if you come away from your experience with God saying, look at how amazing I am, pretty sure you didn't come in contact with the one true God. We come in contact with the one true God and we say, woe is me, I'm a sinner. I'm undone. I have no hope of ever measuring up. Those who say they, they've come in contact with the Lord, but they, they refuse to admit that they are guilty before Him 
It's hard to believe. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. Isaiah did not say, Woe is me, I dwell amongst a bunch of sinful people. He did, but first he said, Woe is me, I'm a sinful person, and I dwell amongst a bunch of sinful people. Guys, you see, what happened was Isaiah came to the end of himself. He realized he had nothing he could offer the Lord. He had no way he could help himself out of this situation. There was nothing he could do to make God happy with him. And so he says, I'm undone. I'm lost. Guys, have you ever come to the end of yourself? Have you ever come to the place where you gave up trying to fix it? Trying to fix you? Trying to fix the people around you? Trying to, to be good enough on your own? Have you ever come to the place where you stopped pretending that you had it all together? And that you had all the answers. Have you ever given up? And said, Lord, I, I can't do it. It's up to you. You see, as long as you believe you can do it on your own, there's not much the Lord can do for you. As long as you believe that you can help God out, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed in your abilities, and the people around you, and in your circumstances, because you're going to feel like it's one of these three things that's holding you back. Truth is, it's all of them. We need Him. We need Him to intervene. And so when Isaiah sees the Lord, he says, Woe is me. Like, I have no hope. I'm not my hero. Uzziah's not my hero. The people aren't my hero. Only the Lord can be my hero. And He's the only one I need. And so, look at verses 6 and 7. When we see our King, we see that He is full of grace. Not only do we see ourselves, but we see that He is full of grace. Verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And so they would have an altar there, signifying that sacrifice for sin had been taking place. Verse 7, And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And so Isaiah, God's response to Isaiah is to send one of these angels over to him. And he says, Look, your, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. What had Isaiah done to earn this? Nothing. All he had done is admit that he's a sinner. He hasn't promised God anything. He hasn't bargained with God. He hasn't proven anything. He has simply asked for mercy in a sense. And God has given that mercy. Guys, we serve a king who's not only all-powerful and just and good, but he is infinitely uh, merciful and gracious and kind. The whole earth is full of his glory. Yes, all the world will uh, bow to him one day, but he is also a God who is infinitely merciful and infinitely full of grace for all those who come to Him and repent and turn to Him. This passage really reminded me of a guy that we, we all know his song anyway, Amazing Grace, right? John Newton. Well, you know, John Newton was not a, a super awesome guy in his younger life. In fact, he was really, really bad. Like you read some of his, I've read some of his diaries and things like that. And he talks about being on ships with sailors on slave ships. And they're some of the, the worst folks in the world at the time. Well, John Newton was so bad that the, he was too bad for these guys. Like, they, they were like, dude, you need to clean up the language a little bit. Like, we really feel like if you keep cursing God, He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna sink our boat. So you really need to calm down a little bit. Like, he, he got kicked off for being too bad. Well, at one point in his life, he was going through this, this terrible storm on the sea, and he, and he calls out to God to save him, and God saves him. And, and out of this amazing grace that God has for John Newton, he wrote that song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. See, he understood 
He had nothing to offer God. Isaiah understood he had nothing to offer God. Guys, we need to understand we have nothing to offer him. But there's nothing we can bring to him and say, here's my payment. Here's, here's my, my ticket into heaven. Here's my ticket into your good grace. Because we don't have anything. And so we come to him open, open-handed and say, Lord, uh, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. And someone asked John Newton later in his life, was talking to him, and he said, you know, I, I remember two things. I'm a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Guys, that's, that's it. That, that's the sum of it. Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins. We didn't pay for our sins. He paid for our sins. Someone else paid for Isaiah's sins. Someone else paid for John Newton's sins. And someone else paid for your sins. And, and so this morning, I'm going to ask you to look up and see the Lord and see yourself and realize there's only one who can offer you hope. There's only one who can offer you uh, salvation and His name is Christ who died in your place, who paid your penalty. Finally, uh, just quickly here, I, I want us to also see that our one true King has a purpose for us. Not only does He have grace for us, not only does He have comfort for us, but He also has a purpose for us. In verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. This King who gives us this grace expects us to serve Him. God speaks and He says, I, I have a mission to send someone on. I have a mission to send someone out on who will answer the call, who will go for us. And Isaiah's response after seeing the king and after receiving his mercy, after receiving his grace, is send me. Not uh, how long will it take? How much will it cost? Are there vacation days? like Those are questions we ask when we're talking about a job, right? Isaiah asks none of those things. Because he doesn't care about any of those things. All he cares about is answering the call of the one who has saved him. Answering the call of the one true king. He gives him a blank check and he says, Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want me to do. You see, Isaiah learned something that King Uzziah had either never learned or had forgotten. When the one true king speaks, you say yes. You don't say why. You don't say how long. Well, in fact, Isaiah does say how long, but it's it's a different context. Uh, We don't have time this morning to, to get into the rest of this chapter, but... But, but you, don't, you don't begin to make up excuses. You don't begin to say, Lord, I, you know, I would, but this sounds really tough. Maybe next year. Hit me up in a couple weeks and I may be in a better mood. No, when the king speaks, you answer, you go. See, the thing about this one true king is his throne only has room for one. Like, there's no room to sit next to God on his throne for us. We don't get to sit next to him and say, ah, I think you ought to do this, this, and this. No, he says, no, I'm king. There's no question here about who's in charge. And, and when we forget that, and we begin to be our own hero, and we begin to think like Uzziah did, that we can do whatever we want, well, that's where we get in trouble. That's where we begin to mess up. That's where we begin to fail. That's where we begin to be disappointed. So when we forget, no, he doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our guidance. He doesn't need our direction. He doesn't need anything from us. We simply get to worship and serve him. Because He loves us and because He has shown us grace. Guys, I, I, don't, I don't know where you are this morning, but I know that if uh, statistics prove true, there's not one person in this room who's not going through a period of discouragement and disappointed or won't be very soon. Can I, can I tell you that if you feel like your life's falling apart and you feel like the world's caving in on you, I get it. 
You feel like, man, this is not what the reviews said it would look like. I thought if I did this, this, and this, then my life would be here, and this is not what I signed up for. Can I just, you know, sometimes we wish it was easy as switching hotels, but it's not. We, we come to these places, and the only thing we can do, the only thing we can do, is not begin to scramble and look for human solutions or human equations or human ideas. Simply turn our eyes upward and see that the king is on his throne. And say, Lord, where would you have me go? What would you have me to do next? How would you guide me? How would you direct me? Because, guys, he, he is all-powerful. He is on his throne. He is in control this morning. But not only that, he is perfect in every way. He is perfect in, in every possible way, and he can pull us through. So trust in him, depend on him, see the Lord this morning. I, I, I hope and I pray that this morning you would truly, no matter who you are, what you're going through, you would look up and see the Lord so that you could say, you know, in the year that I thought I was going to quit, I saw the Lord. In the year I gave up on life, I saw the Lord. The year I thought I was going to lose my mind, I saw the Lord. Turn your eyes back to him this morning. Trust in him. If you're a believer who you find yourself in a place where you're like, man, I just don't even know how to get back to where God would have me to be. Look at him. Look to the Lord. Look to Christ to guide you. If you've never trusted in the Lord, and you think, man, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, if I keep doing where I'm going, things will be okay. No. Somebody's lied to you. There's no hope in anything in this world apart from Christ. Trust in him. Depend on him. Turn your eyes up and see that the Lord, he is king and he is on his throne. And he has made a way for you to be saved. If you would, bow with me as we pray and uh, we'll get ready for a time of invitation. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us. God, that you would help us depend on you, Lord, that you would help us to give back to you the things that we've taken from you. Lord, that we would give over control to you this morning, God, that we would do all we can to get our eyes back on you. Lord, that you'd make us aware of those places we're holding on to, those things we're holding back in. And Lord, that we just depend on you. God, whether it's disappointment, discouragement, whatever. God, help us to to find in you our one true hero, our one true king, who we can lean on, depend on, and follow no matter what. Because God, we know that that's the only hope we have in this entire universe. God, speak to us now as we we sing and we praise and we worship you. Uh, Help us to respond to you in the way that would please you and honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand with us, and as you stand... We're going to sing, and as we sing, if God is speaking to you, then you come this morning.